Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. The information in this podcast is provided for education and research information only. It is not a substitute for professional health advice. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Hello everyone, this is Bridget Maloney. Welcome back everyone, I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And today's episode is who is in the room when you birth and why are they there? This is the episode that Pat thinks we don't need. (laughs) (laughs) But that's because you're in the room all the time. Um, Yeah, I'm there. So this is really... What we hope you learn from this episode is it's it's a logistics episode, isn't it? It's about helping you visualise the day of your baby's birth uh-huh. and what to expect. Cool. Yeah. We want to take out the surprises so you feel more comfortable on the day and you know why someone is in the room um, and you feel empowered to say, hey, what are you doing in here? What are you doing here? <laughs> Does you... everybody in this room need to be in this room? Yeah, that's a good, that is a good point. Yeah, and it may not be you. It might be your partner. Yeah. Yeah, or your, your support person or whoever's there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can, sometimes in the hospital, it seems there's an awful lot of people um, there. Yeah. And uh, ideally, there's no just like interested members of the general public. The, the, we should have, everyone should have a job if they're there. Yeah, and sometimes it's worth knowing what that job is. Yep. So I, I, I think this is a good episode, Pat. Perfect. Yeah, good. All right. So I want to start with labouring at home because, you know, I hope it's come across in our episodes. You always recommend people to labour at home as long as they feel comfortable, don't you? Yeah. So it should be part of everyone's birth plan if it's appropriate that the, that the some of the early parts of labour happens at home. Yeah. There's always exceptions to that rule for various reasons. Maybe you live way too far from your planned birthing hospital. Um, but um, certainly... Uh, at the start, for most people, there's no hurry, and uh, we should have some of that early part of labour at home, which is uh, decrease the amount of time in the hospital and, and uh, may contribute to, to reduction in unnecessary interventions. Yeah. And when you are labouring at home, it's your choice. You're choosing who's there. Yes. That, that's a good point, though. So this is something that we should plan for. You, know, you, you, won't, want, you won't want a surprise. No. Uh, so um, uh, who's going to be there in that early phase? Your partner, your sister, your mother? Yeah. If you've got um, children already, like, are they going to be there? Um, So, you know, what's the plan for your family? Um, And I think that that's important. You also might have uh, a birth support person. So you might have an independent midwife or a doula or someone like that. So, you know, they're people that you know are going to be there. (laughs) In my second... Um, labour. Uh, I had my father-in-law and brother-in-law turn up un- unannounced. They didn't know I was going into labour, but that was that was. They soon turned around and 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 uh, went somewhere else. But you know those sort of things. Just keep planning. So that's your choice. Who's who's there when you're labouring at home? Very good. And I think we should also have consideration of that those people need a job. Yes. Okay, we don't they're not just there to hold a hand, so there's a a job for people and that that's what will make it work. Yeah. 
No, that's absolutely a good point. So you've driven off to the hospital or got a taxi, <laughs> however you got to the hospital. Orange scooter, oh. <laughs> Uber. <laughs> you've arrived at the hospital. Who's the first person that you see? Well, I think this is a good question because this are the th- these are the practical things that they should cover uh, in the um, hospital birthing classes or in the hospital intake uh, meeting. Uh, how do you, what, what happens if you're coming in labour? So you should have a phone number to ring. Um, you should have a, a phone number to get some expert advice. You should be told which door to come to, uh, how to get to the labour ward, how to get in after hours. Mm. All those sort of things are really important. This is the practical nitty-gritty yeah. coming to the hospital at night time in particular. Yeah, which, you know... Uh, might happen frequently. Yeah. Yeah. So there should be an easy way for you to get in and identify yourself as someone in labour to the person at the front door and then um, uh, and then not have to be – not be shunted in through a busy hospital emergency department but move straight up to birthing suite. Mm. Okay. So you just – when you ring to say that you're in labour and you're coming in, they'll yeah. tell you those instructions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it should be super – clear. You've got enough on your mind without knowing how to get into the hospital at night time. Yep. All right. And then you go into the labour and delivery room. Is that what it's called? Sure. Yep. yep. Um, and who's there with you then? Well, I think that's where you need your, your team up and going. So um, our is it our partner or support person, um, other family member? If you've got an independent midwife or a doula, has that person been fully arranged to come with you into the hospital? Everyone aware of their roles and responsibilities. And then in particular, uh, well before the day when the baby's coming, um, you know, who's coming, who's going to be there. Yeah. And then you would meet the midwife that's going to be like allocated to you. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, that's in our system. So you'll have, a, you'll have a midwife allocated to you and that midwife will stay with you and care for you at least until... The, until the baby comes or at least until the end of their shift and after that another midwife will come on who again will be with you until the baby comes. And we hear so many stories of midwives that stick around because the baby's close or whatever even though their shift's ended. Yeah, do, do. yeah. a little bit of that. That's very dedicated. Very dedicated. Um, so, um, yeah, I think if, if, if we're... If we're um, Fully dilated and pushing, then sometimes don't want to go. Yeah, home want to wait till a baby comes and see that. And what if you don't moment? get on with the f- a midwife? Like, can you ask for a different midwife? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm think, getting a shake, shake of the head. There. I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, when we talk about making birth plans, mm. um, the thing that I ask all of my patients to put up the top of their birth plan is a little acknowledgement that even though this is what my plan is and these are my preferences, I understand that the birth process can be unpredictable and tricky. And I like them to put in a little nod to the expertise of the midwives who are looking after them in that opening paragraph of the birth plan. Because what that says to the midwife is, oh, this is my first go. You've been, you've been here for hundreds or thousands of births and I want to hear the benefit of your expertise. Mm. That's how to get off on the right foot. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully your hospital's perfectly resource allocated and you have a midwife that can spend some decent amount of time. But like they, they would be caring for a few more people at the same time, wouldn't they? Well, ideally, if you're in active labour, then they're just then just you. Okay. Okay. But what if it's a super busy day or a pandemic? Or, yeah. Yeah. So things are different. different. Yeah. Mm. And in those sort of early labour... 
would you be seeing your obstetrician if you had one, say, in a public or a private sense? Yeah, so this is where it gets a little different in public versus private, and we're talking about our system here in Australia. Uh, so in the public hospitals, um, you, you may not need the care of an obstetric doctor at all. Uh, you might uh, come in... Um, to, to spontaneous labour at term, rupture membranes, water's clear, baby's happy, uh, dilate up, push the baby out, fantastic. And that's all well and truly within the, within the uh, capability and expertise of a, a midwife. And you might only get a doc called if somewhere along that process things are, are not going well. Mm. Um, in the private system, the patient is admitted to the private hospital under the care of the obstetrician. And so, yeah, if one of my private patients comes into labour, I'll go and see that that woman, regardless of how things are going, and uh, make a plan, um, uh, let that patient know when I'll be back again, and then I don't stay there the whole time. I'm coming and coming and going mm. at agreed times to check on progress uh, and to to make plans and to change advice if the circumstances are changing. You're listening to The Kick with Dr. Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast... Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you... Come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. And I just want to talk really briefly about the responsibility of, say, if that person had an independent midwife Mm -hmm. and the hospital midwife. Who's in charge in that circumstance? Yeah, that can get a little tricky, um, which is why if someone is under the care of an independent midwife and they want that independent midwife to come with them to the hospital, then that's something that has to be arranged in advance. Um, if that independent midwife in our system is not a, is not an accredited midwife to practice at that hospital, then then they can then if they come along, it's as a as a support person, but it's the hospital midwives would be calling the shots. Yeah. And that independent midwife, if she's had clearance and, and it, oh, ticked all the boxes, yes. she can be the person that delivers the baby? Yes. For, so sometimes with an independent midwifery um, a model, the best independent midwife to have is someone who's also an employed midwife at that hospital. Yeah, right. So that they could come with you into the hospital and then become your primary midwife for the hospital part of your care. Yeah, right. And that that would be one of the better systems, but it's not it's it, it's it's a hard system to organize. Yeah. And it's not available everywhere. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the main medical people actually during the labor. Mm. Um are there any other non-medical people that 
perhaps could pop their heads in at that stage. Yes, there's the, no one taking your order for like dinner or anything, is there? Yeah, yeah there's the, the tea lady, absolutely. Oh, yeah. The tea person, they definitely pop in saying, do you need a cup of tea? There's various other hospital people or with a job. Uh, yeah. So the, the, there's, if you're a patient in a hospital, there's plenty of people knocking at your door for various reasons. And Pat, I'm assuming that if it's a teaching hospital, that you might have some student doctors and student midwives. In the Australian system, um, doctors are mostly taught in public hospitals and uh, there would be some junior doctors and doctors in training involved in your care with uh, acceleration of the care right up to the senior people and to the specialist if uh, if it's needed. Yeah, radio. Yeah. And so at any one stage during this actual labour, can that woman or her support person say enough? Like, is, is there too many people here? Student doctors, no. Student midwives, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want tea. Go away. <laughs> yeah. you, you could put a sign on the door saying, "I don't need. I don't. I, I definitely don't need a cup of tea. Don't. Don't. Don't knock for a cup of tea." Um, and you can um, request that training people are not involved in your care in a public hospital in Australia. It's not always possible. Sometimes the 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 training people they're not only there to train they're also part of the service service provision so for example registrars and residents junior doctors in a in a um, public hospital in australia they're not just there to learn they've got a distinct job to to provide as well and uh, if you need assistance then that's the person who's going to give it to you yeah and i think we sort of mentioned this in the birth plan but you can ask people to use quiet voices or, Absolutely. or messages to go via the support person or, or whatever like you know yeah. just have a think about how you might like that room to look mm-hmm. um good all right ready to push does yeah. anything change like are there more people in the room uh occasionally so at that at that point you, we would want your midwife to be there uh, if you if you're in a private hospital under a private obstetrician, ideally the private obstetrician is there at the pushing stage. So uh, when we're right up to the baby's nearly coming, at that point I would uh, come and then not go away again. Wait till the baby comes, and we might at that stage have some other people involved. So for example. If we think that the baby is in a state where we might need to come out and need some resuscitation, or we're doing an instrumental birth on the ward, on the ward, then yep. we'd call the pediatrician first. Okay, oh, yep. no sense really calling them once the baby's out and if we need trouble because they might be fifteen, twenty minutes away. So uh, we have them have them there already. If we're having problems with an epidural block, we might have the anaesthetist around come around, give us a top up, yeah, um, inject some more local anaesthetic and 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 uh, make things more comfortable. I forgot to talk about the anaesthetist earlier. Do they just come one person or is it them and an assistant? No, just just them. Yep. Um, and they might have come in earlier to put an epidural in and then we, we might want them back towards the end to give it a top up. Yeah. We're talking today about um, who is in the room when you birth and uh, why are they there? Sure. Sure. All right. So let's say the birth now needs further assistance sure. um, and you're going for an assisted birth. And if we can talk about maybe in the room first, in the same room, is there extra people there? No, not necessarily at this stage. So we've got our uh, pediatrician, we've got our obstetrician, we've got our midwife, uh, patient and support person. That should be enough for you know a, an uncomplicated uh, vacuum or forceps in the labour ward. Different if we go to theatre. So if we're going to go to theatre, not for a season, but if we're going to go to, to theatre because we want to do the instrumental birth in theatre, 
just in case it doesn't work and we want to be able to immediately do a Caesar, or if we'd prefer to be in the theatre environment for other reasons, uh, then, yeah, but there's going to be a whole bunch of extra people in the theatre. Can I go back, and this is, again, it's a logistics episode, so uh, how have I got to the theatre? How do you get there? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the extra people, so the theatre will send an orderly around. Mm. Um, We call them orderlies or techs, and they're the people that sort of wheel you in and out of theatre. And they're also the people who know how to use all the all the clever gadgets in theatre. Yeah, they know how to switch everything on, how to boot everything up, how to how to start the computers up, all sorts of of uh, of uh, really quite technical um, uh, expertise, as well as actually pushing the trolley. Yeah. yeah, and I'd have to say, like during my Caesars, the person pushing the trolley, I've had big conversations with them. So yeah. you know, they all are part of your care. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so I've been pushed along to the theatre yeah. um, and it's for the assisted birth, but I could imagine it's a bit the same, is it, as a caesarean birth or is the people in that theatre room different? Well, no, they're the same people. So now whether we're coming around to theatre for a forceps in theatre or for a caesarean section, we've definitely got the team we talked about before. We definitely need an anaesthetist now because we might want to put in a spinal block for either the caesar or for a, for a theatre instrumental. And uh, and theatre is a different environment to labour ward. So midwife midwife is the is the boss in labour ward, and the boss in theatre is theatre nurses. And that's a little different because we've got the theatre nurses running the show in theatre, so in charge of checking you in and bringing you into theatre and making sure things are all kept sterile and those sort of things. But you also want your midwife to come around from labour ward as well because she's been looking after you all day. And she gets all scrubbed up. Uh, yeah, she'll go and put on her theatre pyjamas. And then the midwife's got a role in the theatre of continuing to support you and liaising with the theatre people to make sure that goes well. Then from the moment that we take that we start up, say, the caesarean section, then the theatre nurses do, the, do all their technical um, uh, theatre things like they would for any operation. And then once baby's out, uh, baby's handed to the midwife and the midwife will, will uh, look after the baby, give the baby a little kickstart, um, help the paediatrician with the resusc- resuscitation if it's necessary. Right. And when you say theatre nurses, how many are we talking? Well, there's always quite a few of those. So there's there's usually uh, one person who's um, uh, in charge of... Like let's say for a cesarean section, there'll be one scrub nurse, so she's up at the table with me, and uh, and she's um, handing me the instruments. Can so I, she's your assistant. Can, no, there's another An assistant, <laughs> the assistant too. Yeah, so there's so, a lot of people. <laughs> okay, so the assistant's another doctor, mm-hmm. and that person is helping me do the operation. And and when I tie a knot, they cut the they cut the stitch, and and they uh, move instruments around so I can see what I'm doing. That's what the theater, That's what the assistant doctor does. There's a scrub nurse, and she's in charge of sterility around the operating table, and she's handing me handing me instruments, loading up sutures uh, and uh, uh, and doing the, that scrub nurse uh, job. Then there's a scout nurse who, who's the nurse we send out if we need something unexpected that wasn't on the original setup. So we say, can you please go and get us this stitch or this instrument? And off they go and get it. And um, there's the anaesthetist and the anaesthetist will often have, have an assistant who's an anaesthetic nurse. Wow. And uh, still got order- orderlies in the room? Um not the, the whole time, but they'll be in charge of bringing you in and setting you up on the operating table. That's very important. Oh, yeah, they're the ones that sort of bring you over onto the operating mm-hmm. table, yeah. Exactly, and positioning you on the operating table is input. It's a really important job. One of the things that really makes a, the difference between a difficult or a really easy operation is how well the, posi- the patient is positioned on the operating table, and uh, an experienced um, theatre tech is, is there for that. Yeah, you're sort of a bit 
um, head down, aren't you? And a bit twisted. No. Uh, <laughs> From I did, memory. A li- little bit head down definitely um, uh, helps. So for a cesarean section, we, we want to be on the operating table um, tilted to one side so that the um, we're not um, squishing those big veins that bring blood from your legs back to your heart and uh, from uh, and for a theatre instrumental um, we might be less tilted but um, uh, legs in the air yeah 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 all right and uh, pediatrician did we mention pediatrician and yep. Caesar yet waiting to uh, waiting to receive the baby and yep. make sure the baby doesn't need any any immediate resuscitation providing that resuscitation if the baby does need it and usually assisted by the midwife who's come around from the ward yeah all right um, that Sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, and it yeah. does feel busy. Mm. Um, but it feels it, busy, that's yeah. right, yeah. But it feels with purpose. Like yeah. everybody's moving around with purpose. Yeah. Um, and even if anyone's in that situation and they might think, oh, my God, this, 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 why is there so many people here and it does that mean that this is going that pear shape? No, everybody's just got a job. Yes, and it doesn't mean it's going pear shape at all. In fact, having all of those people well-trained for their job means that it doesn't go pear shape. Yeah. Um, to the patient, I get that it can feel that way. Uh, but um, people often report in an emergency or even a sort of a semi-urgent situation how impressed they are that the team works so well together. Yeah. My advice is... Um, uh, really look at your midwife's eyes because once they've got a mask on, <laughs> it's a bit uh-huh, hard to, to tell. Find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's who? Yeah, yeah that's but good. hopefully they've come and, and introduced themselves yeah. to you. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going through that at, at, in my, in the consulting at the moment because um, I'm still I'm looking after lots of people who are still pregnant. For the first two thirds of their pregnancy, we had masks in the rooms. Yeah. So I still don't know what everyone looks like with a mask on. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, good. All right. So we've come back after the cesarean mm-hmm. um, and in the recovery ward. Oh, we didn't. Hang on. We didn't do who's coming from the support people oh, into yeah. the theatre. Yeah. So you might have two support people in labour ward, but give or take, there's usually only one support person in the theatre. Yeah, radio. I've had a few exemptions granted to that over the years in some special situations. Yeah. Um, but usually that's. That's a key. That, that that's your key support person who's coming to theatre, and that's something you should work out beforehand. Oh, definitely. Extra people in theatre can be extra risk of infection and so forth. So, so usually the rule is one. Yeah. Yeah. So if your mum and your husband are coming to the birth, better work out who's going to theatre if you need to go to theatre. Or the tricky decision between your doula and your partner. No, you will. All of that. You can yeah. just make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just so they know, they get. All in their gear too, don't yes. they? What do yeah. they do? They get a hat and and, and theatre scrubs. The theatre scrubs, yeah, yeah. And, and it's normally the tech that helps them out there. That's right. Yeah. So tech will take the dads around the theatre and get them get them kitted out. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. All right. So then you go into the recovery room. Yes. Um, if you've gone to theatre, this is um, recovery room, and you've got your midwife. Yeah. And Recover- recovery, recovery room, nurse. Recovery room nurse, um, whose job it is to keep a close eye on your observations and make sure that after you've had an operation like a cesarean section that your heart rate, respiratory rate, uh, blood pressure, urine output, it's all normal. And then um, uh, you'll ideally you'll be together with your partner and your baby. And we pride ourselves on being able to do that practically every time. Okay, so sometimes a sick baby will need to go straight up to the nursery, but assuming that everything goes goes fine and the baby's not sick, then we want to keep the, the unit, the, together. The, the family unit together. Mm. Yeah, with your support people, to, to, so you're not really apart at all. And go as a family round to the recovery room, stay in the recovery room as a as a family. Um, and uh, uh, you know, in our in our general hospital, the recovery room is full of people who've had all sorts of other operations. So oh. we've got a little 
you know, a, a, a curtained off area um, just for someone who's not sick. They've just had a cesarean section. And uh, that's a, it's a little bit separate, separate from all of the people who've had a gallbladder and a bowel mm. operation and a broken leg and all the other things in the other recovery uh, base. And your midwife might be there and um, you might start trying... Uh, breastfeeding, if that's what you're choosing to do. Absolutely. So, so it's business as usual. There, we get you know um, skin skin contact, um, uh, baby on the breast. Um, start that. All of that um, motherhood starts right there and then. Yay! Yeah. Oh my god, little buzz. Um, and I just want to ask uh, if you've had an assisted birth in theatre, yeah. do you still go to the recovery? Yeah, you got to go, got to go recovery. Um, yeah, you're likely to have had a spinal anaesthetic, you, you know, we're in the theatre environment and that, that so ran a recovery for a bit. Yep. Um, do the usual recovery things and then back to the labour ward when it seems appropriate um, and then from the labour ward out to a postnatal ward, postnatal room, once everything's stable and good. Yep. And, you know, you could stay there any anywhere between maybe 24 hours and five days, depending on whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean. Yep. So the people that you're going to see is going yeah. to be varied, yeah. but there's quite a few people that Might come, come in. Yeah. Yep, good. So you have lots of midwives that come. Midwives will come in and they'll change on a shift basis. Yeah. If you've got a private obstetrician, that person will come once a day to see you and deal with any issues that come up. And hospitals are busy places. Yeah. Are they all midwives in the postnatal ward or are some, like, ward nurses? No, they're usually, they're usually midwives yeah. Yeah, in Australia. They're, they're usually midwives. But the hospital's a busy place. You know, there's the guy with selling the newspapers yeah. and the tea person and the people who bring around the meals and a cleaner and it's um it's one of the many reasons why it's a good idea to go home. Yeah. Uh, when um when 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 safe. Yeah. And if you get your little tick the box, what do you want to eat? Just do it there and then, and so then you can give it back, and nobody comes That's again right. and again and saying, "Have you done that yet?" And you yeah, go, yeah. "No, I haven't." Have you done that yet? You have no, to I be haven't. an organised consumer of, yeah. of healthcare so that yeah, get it all done, and and because uh, you also want some sleep. Yeah, and I'm not sure this is the same in everywhere in the world, but here in Australia, you also have a visit from the audiologist. Yes. To do the newborn hearing. Test, yes, and you get a visit from the physiotherapist to kickstart um, your physiotherapy. Yep. Yeah, so newborn hearing screen is very important. We want to pick up um, babies with hearing problems um, straight away. The hospital physio visit is important, but not to be confused with the importance of going to see a physiotherapist after six yeah. weeks. Um, that, I think that's where the real benefit is. There's too much going on mentally and physically right at the start. I mm. think to take much of it in, but if you go back to the physio after six weeks. Um, to a private women's physio or to a community physio um, facility, uh, you've, got, you've got a chance of taking it in and learning a good technique for pelvic floor exercises that'll see you in good stead for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's a good good tip, Patty. Um, and does every baby need a paediatrician check before they're discharged? Uh, no. In our hospitals, we have pe- we have baby checks. Every baby should be checked before discharge. So By a paediatrician? No, by... No by a skilled person. So that might be a midwife, might be a junior doctor, might be a junior paediatrician, might be a consultant paediatrician, depends what's going on. Yeah, right here. I think in in the States you definitely have to have a paediatrician's tick of approval. But um, I could be wrong. So if you're listening from the States, just DM us and and tell us whether I've got that wrong or right. Sure. Um, And it's a bit like the same thing about labouring at home. You, you do have to have a plan for your family and friends and if you've got yes. other children. Like, who do you want to visit? Yeah, and when. Yeah, because yeah. that makes the room pretty busy too. Yeah, 
the, the COVID, COVID pandemic has really changed the nature of coming to see people in hospital. It's changed it from a rite of passage, something that was normal and pretty much always done, to something that's kind of only done by with this, in discussion with the family and by permission mm. from the family. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. So the labour ward is quieter. And it still it still is. Wow! Even all this time later, because fewer people are considering it a, a reasonable thing to do to come and visit their friends in the hospital and bring their own kids, and certainly they they're not doing it much without asking permission. Yeah. But that used to be different. Yeah, mm. and what a great way for someone to feel comfortable about doing something as tricky <laughs> uh, for some women as breastfeeding, like just yeah, to exactly. have that time and yeah. to have the the uh, midwives. There, instead of saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, could you please come back? My family's here." Yeah, yeah. might just be a phase, but but I'm seeing a lot more people saying, "No, we're having we're having visitors when we get home." All right, Pat. So this episode was really aimed at demystifying, you know, the workings of a hospital, which I know you've got totally nailed. But a lot of people that it's a baffling ordeal. It can be a little baffling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on to the myth or fact. Myth or fact. If you're induced, the pain in labour is worse. Myth or fact? <laughs> this is a maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah. The strong contractions that get the cervix dilated and the baby out are going to be painful. If you are induced with a syntocinon drip, the painful ones will come more quickly than, for example, if you broke your waters spontaneously at term and waited 10, 12, 20 hours for the contractions to come. So in the 10, 12, 20-hour um, system, uh, they'll creep up. Whereas if we've decided for whatever reason in in discussion with the patient that the best thing to do is to use a syntocinon drip, then they'll creep up much more quickly. Mm. So people often think that the pain's going to be worse. I'm not sure that it's worse. It'll just come quicker. Yeah, without like nice breaks in between or breaks to recover in between? Or do you still get no, those No, we're breaks? supposed to use the syntocinon in a way that, that, that gives the baby plenty of breaks in between to recover. No, I just mean in between starting the drip and regular painful contractions coming, that's going to oh, be I less see. time mm. than if that all happens naturally. Mm. Is the pain worse? I don't I don't think so. I think it just comes on you faster. Why don't they, when they give the Sinto, give a little bit of an injection of endorphins at the same time? No, 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 <laughs> I don't, don't think that's a thing. Again, that's why I'm not the doctor. And, and sometimes I think that the higher levels of intervention – that's sometimes called the cascade of intervention, probably happens because we don't get a chance for painful contractions to creep up slowly and to slowly adapt to it. Mm. Uh, we, we give syntocin on because we want to get things moving faster mm. and it works. They do move faster and it really hurts. Yeah. And we might reach for some stronger levels of pain relief in those settings. You heard it here. That's a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm, maybe. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate your love and support, and we love being here just sharing our knowledge. So if you've got any questions, just uh, you can jump on the speak pipe. We're getting some really great questions through there, so we should do a and a soon. So you can just find that on our uh, Grow My Baby website. So that's www.growmybaby.com.au. All right, until next week, we'll see you then. See you then, everybody.